the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And they're off. That's what the track announcer will say tomorrow afternoon at Churchill Downs to start the Kentucky Derby. And that'll be about four hours after the NBC network goes on the air with its Kentucky Derby coverage. They will talk about it a lot. The race will last about two minutes. And the Kentucky Derby, by the way, has been called the most exciting two minutes in sports. It's not. Um, I could find you at least uh, two minutes of a 100 hockey games. It would be uh, more exciting. But it's a big deal, and I do like it. It's an exciting event. And you know what would make the people involved in the race tomorrow the happiest, besides winning, of course, if their horse doesn't die? Because racehorses have been dying a lot lately. 23 of them died at Santa Anita in California in the first three months of this year. 23. Um, this will be the 145th running of the Kentucky Derby, and horses dying hasn't been a big problem for them. But in 2008, the horse that finished second broke both of its front legs and had to be euthanized about 30 minutes later. Death has been a problem uh, at the Preakness and the Belmont Stakes, and sometimes the horse has had to be euthanized on the track right in front of everybody. They're big. They're running on tracks that might be dangerous. According to one newspaper in Louisville, Churchill Downs is one of the most dangerous tracks in the country. And they're pumped up on steroids, just like NFL players. And sometimes there are as many as 20 horses running at a time. It's dangerous. But it's not just about what happens during the race. It's how the horses are treated when they're not racing, how they live, and what happens after they're no longer able to race and make money for their owners. Some of the male horses get lucky. They get put out to stud. But a lot of them end up being slaughtered, and their meat is sold outside the country. If you watch them in the winter circle tomorrow at the Kentucky Derby, the owner and the trainer will probably be brought to tears by having won the Kentucky Derby. And they, they may make you want to cry when they tell you how much they love their horse. The question is, do they love watching the horse run, or are they watching dollar signs running around the track? That might be the case. Uh, there are people out there demanding that horse racing be cleaned up and that the horses need to get better treatment. According to a story in the L.A. Times, 6,134 horses have died in the last 10 years. That's 600 a year or almost two a week. That's a lot. There's even talk about banning whips, which might seem a little bit wimpy. Just for appearances' sake, though, if nothing else, they're thinking about getting rid of those. According to the story in that L.A. Times, uh, in, that story in the L.A. Times, trainers at Santa Anita were pressured to race their horses when the trainers thought they needed rest because they they can't find enough good horses, and because the more horses they have in a race, the more money is bet, and that means more money for the track. It's not a pretty picture at all. When we come back, we're going to talk to somebody who wants to do something about it. Stick around. It's bleeding, and it's draining, and it's something unknown that drives you and carries you home. And it's right on the roses, as fast as you can, your face. Are you about to pay double for new windows, siding, or doors? If you haven't called Windows R Us, you just might. Many companies are overcharging area homes and businesses nearly double. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, gutters, siding doors, and, of course, windows. Windows R Us will never overcharge. You'll love their no-pressure approach, straightforward pricing, and the fastest turnaround in the business. Right now, get zero interest for 12 months and up to $20,000 on new vinyl, fiberglass, or wood windows. With options like triple-pane glass and names like Pella, no hidden fees or surprises ever. Your no-loophole lifetime warranty covers everything, including glass breakage, at no additional cost. 
Mention AM 1250 with your free estimate for an exclusive 10% off. Why pay double? Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company, WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm John Steigerwald. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in the network. Isn't it time for a change? Well, stop the insanity and call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30%. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. 724-884-1496. Have you heard the crack of the bat, the cheers of the crowd? Have you seen the smiles on the faces of the players as they take the field? I'm not talking about the Pirates. I'm talking about what's happening in Moon Township that can only be described as a miracle. This is John Steigerwald. With the help of Pirates Charities and people like yourself, the Miracle League of Moon Township has broken ground on a brand new ball field and adaptive playground where athletes with special needs can play regardless of their ability. At miraclesinmoon.org, you can see the stunning plans for the 9,500-square-foot playground and state-of-the-art ADA-compliant restroom facility with showers, wave technology, multi-level fountains and sinks, mechanical changing tables, and more. It's incredible. Our goal? To raise the remaining funds they need to bring it home by first pitch this September. Check it out at miraclesinmoon.org slash donate and make your tax-deductible gift today. That's miraclesinmoon.org slash donate. This message paid for by Robinson Town Center, a Zamias Properties entity. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. The Kentucky Derby is tomorrow. That's always a big deal, a great moment in American sports, but something's going on in horse racing, and it's not good. Horses are dying. I gave you the numbers before the break. Elizabeth Zarcos is founder and president of Hanalia at the Horse Welfare and Rescue Organization, and she joins us now. Elizabeth, thanks for being here. Uh, Thank you for having me. So, 23 horses died at Santa Anita in the first three months of this year. That sounds like a lot. It sounds like really a lot. Is it a lot more than normal, though? It is more than normal on the track, although uh, we did experience, I think, across the United States last year, about a 1,000 horses or more were actually killed um, on the track across the United States. Uh, A 1,000 for the year? For the year, yeah. But within three months, to have 23 die on the track was an exponential amount. It was a lot more. It was about triple the amount of normal. Okay. Is there one cause of death that's more common, and what are they doing to prevent it? Um, In in this particular case, what's happening is uh, they're actually literally breaking their legs. Um, and that's what is they why they have to be euthanized right on the track. What, what they determined was the cause was that they put a sealant on the track to prevent it from being too wet. So it would dry out much more quickly. Um, but that sealant made the track harder. And so what was happening is these horses, when they were running on it after it dried out, they were getting micro-fractures. And then you have, you know, a half a dozen microfractures, and then it would actually create a complete break. So maybe one run wouldn't do it, two runs wouldn't do it, but three or four would actually cause a break um, in, the, in the horse's leg. 
and uh, in the small bones, like the sesamoid bone in the ankle area. Wow. And so uh, this is something that it, it, it happens a lot, obviously. Um, it doesn't surprise anybody that this happens. That This is a lot of stress on small ankles from a really heavy animal, right? Right. And it doesn't help that they're ex- exponentially uh, raced when they're, you know, way, way too young. I mean, we are racing these horses competitively at two, which means we're on their back at one. And a horse is not born, or a horse is registered and, and, and um, you know, throughout the year, but technically they're one on January 1st as a thoroughbred racehorse. So you can have horses who are trained as technically yearlings, but they can really, if they were born in March, really only be nine months old. So you have people on their backs way too young. They're racing really, really fast, way too young, and they are raced on these tracks, which are getting faster and faster. So the speeds are getting faster and faster, um, and then you throw in a couple of doping cocktails on top of that, and these guys, you know, it's just a tragedy waiting to happen. Well, I think everybody knows that, um, or anybody who knows anything about the Kentucky Derby knows that it's three-year-olds. And so if you're going to be racing it, if a horse is going to be racing at three, that means it has to be much younger than that when it starts. How, how young are they when they're actually out on the track and running as though they are in a, a competitive race? Uh, they start competing at two, but again, before that, they start training at one, at a, at a yearly. And um, uh, has death been accepted as a part of horse racing, if not by people like you and me, by the people who are in the industry? <laughs> No, I, I think that that's, uh, more people are, are, are calling attention to it. I think that that's what's happening. Um, I think the industry does accept that this is a normal um, side uh, part of the, the experience and that that's going to happen and that that's just kind of how it is. Um, and then we're stepping up and saying, no, this really shouldn't be a byproduct of the racing industry. Now, you know, I just want to say there are some trainers who really do take really great care of their horses, but at the same time, uh, there are a lot of people who they see the horses as a commodity and they see the race as an end result. And it really is a very, very corrupt industry. And it's really a lot about the money and not the animals. Well, people who tune into the Kentucky Derby tomorrow and they'll hear the singing of the of uh, you know, the song and, you know, my old Kentucky home and, and uh, all the pageantry and everything and all the... Um, the lavish praise for the trainers and the owners and everybody's having a wonderful time. It doesn't, I don't think someone tuning in tomorrow um, is going to look at that as, not many people anyways, boy, that's a corrupt industry. Not- well, it's because of, because of all the pageantry, because of everything that's around it, we all get caught up in the race and we don't think about the, you know, thousands of horses or hundreds of horses every year that are killed, the, and, and you, okay, and here's the thing, you have 30,000 thoroughbreds are registered every year, and now you have 10. What happens to those other 29,000 horses? And we don't think about that. We just look at, oh, those are the 10 who are competing today. We don't think about the ones who didn't make it. We don't think about the ones who are euthanized on the track. We don't think about the ones that are you know, euthanized on the track after the derby. You know, we just we, we get all caught up in the pageantry, and we don't don't really believe that, oh, this couldn't happen because these horses are so beautiful, and why would you allow this to happen to a horse? But they do, and it does. So um, what, what, so what does happen to a horse? Uh, let's say it's, it's, um, it's no longer able to race but not injured enough to justify euthanizing, and maybe it's injured and it wouldn't be good for breeding. Uh, what happens to that horse? The majority of the horses are sold at auction, and a lot of them are sold down to Mexico for slaughter. For slaughter, and people are uh, using it for dog food and eat, and for human food, and and for it's not not dog food. Actually, it goes it's uh, it's too expensive. Um, even though horses are all horses, um, even pet horses are filled with uh, toxins such as, that are actually sometimes so carcinogenic to humans. These uh, the uh, slaughterhouses actually sell them to markets like Asia and Europe. And it's a very high-priced commodity. And uh, so people eat it, you know, it's, it's $100 a pound. And so what they'll do is they'll eat horse meat, even though technically, again, it's toxic. But it's a, it's a, it's a business like anything else. This is not throwaway meat that they're giving to dog food. Wow. Um, it's a, a very corrupt uh, industry as well. So if, uh, let's just leave the Kentucky Derby out of it for a minute, but someone goes to Santa Anita or some other track, uh, to watch horse racing, 
There's a chance that the horses that they're watching, not long after they watch them, could be in a slaughterhouse? Um, it could be, yeah. I mean, actually, um, uh, there have been horses that have been shipped over to Japan who were slaughtered, who were, you know, uh, winners. A lot of uh, horses who've won twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, millions of dollars end up at the slaughterhouse. So any horse that you see on that track could end up at a, at a slaughterhouse, yes. So, you know, it, it can happen. So, and and your website, uh, Honolulu, you is it Honolulu? So Honolulu. Uh, Honolulu. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. You say it's not a sport. Um, not the way it's done now. No, it really it's it's uh, it's not a sport because the horses are um, they don't they don't get to have any say in whether or not they're going to live or die in this. Um, we really need to clean up the industry before it can be called a sport again. Right now, it's just corrupt. It's like. You know, it's just a corrupt industry. It can't. If you have so many people who will do anything that they can to get a win, including hurting or potentially doing things that will kill horses, I can't call that a sport. So just tell me, we're talking to Elizabeth Zarcos. She's the founder and president of Honolulu. That's a horse welfare and uh, shelter organization. Uh, just can you describe for me, Elizabeth, what would a day in the life of one of the horses who's going to be running at uh, Churchill tomorrow be like? Um, well, they will probably get out and be walked by their handlers. Um, if they, uh, you know, they'll wake up in a stall. It's a small little box stall. They'll probably be walk, you know, be fed um, a meal. Uh, they'll be walked around by their handlers. They'll get ready for the race, which is. Um, well, no, yeah. no. Uh, I'm talking about not on race day, but just uh, you know, oh. a regular day in the life of these horses. Um, as far as uh, you know, getting out and getting raised. Yeah. What? So what? what be- I mean, how, what kind of a life do they have? They wake up in a box, they get out, they get they get exercise on the track, they get put back in the box, sometimes they'll get walked around for a little bit, They'll get um, and then they'll stay in the box for the most part until the next day, and they do it all over again. And what, what I'm trying to get at here is, how is that horse's life different from a horse who's not going to be racing at Churchill Downs or anywhere else? Um, well, you know, as far as handling, well, there's, you know, if you have a... If you know, it, it, it depends on if it's a show horse, if it's a personal person's horse. My horses are in paddocks, which are large areas. They get to be with other horses if possible because they're herd animals. They um, they they are not taken away from their mothers. It's at four months old, so they can their mothers can be rebred back again. You know, they there's a lot that goes into it just beyond just a uh, you know that. But I mean, these horses are not. Um, they're, they're treated as again as if they're a thing. They're they're treated well. I'm not going to say that they are they are brushed and they're handled and they're fed, um, but they are not given any sort of herd mentality. They're not allowed to be horses. They're not allowed to run around and be horses when after they're taken out from you know after one years old and they're put into training. That's their boxes, their life, and they're on out. Now I covered sports for a long time and I didn't do a lot of stuff on horse racing. And we don't have a thoroughbred track right here in the Pittsburgh area. We have a, um, a, a we have um, trotters, you know. But yeah. I've had people in the horse business and and train. I guess must have been trainers tell me this. They tell me that these horses love what they do. That they, if you're around the horses, you know that they, they, you can tell that they know it's race day. They know when they get to the track and that everything that's going on there that they you know that it, it registers with them that today they're going to race and they just get excited and they love it. That's what that's that's what I've been told. You buying that? Um, to some extent, yeah. Horses they do love to run. I will not deny that they do love to run, and I would love a hundred percent love to see the sport cleaned up, and I would love to go run and or go cheer a horse on a hundred percent. I would love to see that. Horses do love to run. They love to race each other. I would love to see that. The industry as it is now is not there. That's not what it's about right now. Well, see, um, so, I, you know, I would love to see that happen again. See, and I thought you were going to answer no to that question. Um, <laughs> no, well, I, I, I really do. I, they love to run. They really do. So what? So what's what are they going to be doing tomorrow at Churchill Downs on the Kentucky Derby? Uh, I mean, they're going to be running and they're going to be racing. But what are they going to be doing that that you would like to see them not do, or what would you like to see them start to do to make it better for the horses? Well, first we need to pass um, the Horse Racing Integrity Act. And that's been in Congress and installed in Congress for years. We need to get that passed because that will stop the doping. 
And that's what, what really hurt, is hurting the industry right now. They, they use drugs both for performance, like Ritalin, to make them try to go faster, but they also use doping to mask injury. So horses that are injured, they will put, they will use these different types of drugs so that the horse doesn't feel injured. And so they'll actually be running on legs that are injured and injure them more to the point where they cannot heal again. So I need to see that. Um, I want to see these horses not started at one years old. I want them to, you know, I'd really like to see that push back another year. I'd really like to see the jockey club um, uh, really take care and think about life after racing because that's great. You get to the race, but what happens after? It's all fun and games. It's all great for four years or two years, and, you know, however long they get to be that, you know, get to be on the track. But the horses live until 35 years old. What are you going to do for the other 30 years of their life? And we don't have a plan for that. And the breeders don't plan for that. They plan for the first four years of their life. And then if they break, whatever, I'll breed another one. And that's our that's our mentality right now. But right now, I really want to see that Horse Racing Integrity Act. So, so the breeders and the trainers that we're going to see tomorrow uh, involved in all the pageantry that goes with the Kentucky Derby, including the, the people who are in the winner's circle, it's a good chance that they... They just don't really care about the horse after it. Well, they're going to care about this horse because they're going to they're going to get breeding rights and sell it for millions of dollars. But um, uh, are these are these people that are involved in this race tomorrow? These trainers and owners are they the people you're describing who don't care about the horses after they're four and five years old? Like I said, some of them do and some of them don't. I don't know about these you know, people specifically, but unless you know where every single one of your horses that you bred goes and that you can make sure that not one of those horses goes to slaughter, then you are not taking care of your animals. And how many, uh, what, what's the percent, I don't know how you put a number on it, but what's the, what's the percentage, as best you can say, uh, of, of owners who actually do love the horses more than they love the, you know, are they watching, do they love watching the dollar signs running around the track or do they love watching the horse? I think there's a small percentage who loves the sport, who loves their horses, and who take a really great care of them. I don't think there's a majority, though. A small percentage. And so, now, there's three-year-olds racing in the Kentucky Derby tomorrow. Are you saying mm-hmm. that, that if, they, if they were four years old instead of three, that would make you a little happier? Just something as simple as that? Something as simple as that. I know they do that in Britain, but at the same time, they're, they're, that would be one step amongst many. I mean, there are so many aspects to this, you know, that, that would be, you know, that are wrong, but that would be one thing that would help, yes. And, um, and how, long, how long can a horse be expected to race competitively? To what age? Uh, usually they're retired at four or five. I mean, we see some horses racing up through nine, but every time you put them back on the track, you, you know, they're, they more and more chance they're going to get injured. Yeah. And so the solution is to start them later and to take care of them when they're finished instead of just discarding them and where they end up in a slaughterhouse. That seems like a pretty, it doesn't seem like a, a, um, an un, un, it doesn't seem like a a a, a a a a request that's that's you know not not reasonable. Right, we think it's pretty reasonable. We also think that the breeders really need to start breeding quality over quantity. We're we're just breeding way too many horses for the market. We need to breed fewer horses and and start breeding quality horses and not just breed whatever we can. And, and I, see what pops up. I only have about a minute le- less less than a minute left. Uh, I I don't think that we're going to see any of what you're talking about here on the telecast tomorrow <laughs> of the of the Kentucky Derby. I guess it's NBC doing it. Yeah, I no, but I mean, you know, if everyone talks or emails or calls their congressperson and says, "Hey, I love I love watching this and I want to see this sport continue and I don't want to see these horses," one thing they can do is to get that. Horse Racing Integrity Act passed, and that will be one step into helping to clean up this industry. Hey, Elizabeth, uh, I really appreciate you being on, and uh, I will look at racing differently from now on. I'll watch the race tomorrow, but I'll, I'll be looking at it a little differently. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay, we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. There was a strong jobs report from the Labor Department this morning. It showed employers added a robust 263,000 jobs, and the unemployment rate fell to a five-decade low of 3.6%. 
President Trump says the latest jobs report shows a raging economy. The economy is unbelievable. Uh, we're at 3.6% unemployment. That's the lowest number since 1969. The April U.S. jobs report from the Labor Department shows that solid economic growth is still encouraging strong hiring nearly a decade into the recovery from the Great Recession. And Wall Street liked what it heard. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up by 130 points to close at 26,438. The Nasdaq Composite Index rose by 92 points. The S&P 500 advanced 21 and crude oil up 13 cents. It closed at $61.94 a barrel. This is SRN News. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Spring is prime home buying season. So if you're thinking about buying a home, right now is the time to lock a low rate, which can save you money every month on your new mortgage. With our exclusive Rate Shield approval, the low rate you lock today is protected for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. With a Rate Shield approval, if rates go up, your low rate stays locked. But if rates go down, you get that new, even lower rate. Either way, you win. Talk to us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com to take advantage. Here's another great reason to work with us. For a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Again, to lock in today's low mortgage interest rate and get the security of our exclusive rate shield approval, call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Dennis Prager can always explain the left. They accuse their foes of a Manichaean worldview of right and wrong, good and evil, black and white. It is so utterly false. Every leftist is a child. Not every liberal, every leftist. And children do not deal well with the ambiguities of life. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1250. The Answer. One in seven men is diagnosed with prostate cancer in his lifetime. The good news? When caught early, it can be treated. The bad? All treatment options have side effects like impotence, urinary leakage, and rectal bleeding. New Space Ore Hydrogel is FDA cleared and clinically proven to help. Men receiving Space Ore Hydrogel were more likely to maintain their normal sexual, urinary, and bowel functions. Visit spaceoar.org or ask your doctor about Space Ore Hydrogel. It's where the Sahara meets the Nile and the Mediterranean Sea. Only here exists the perfect conditions for growing the finest cotton in the world. I'm John Sagerwald. Nowhere else can you find cotton so luxuriously soft and light, yet super strong and able to hold deep, vibrant colors wash after wash. It's this very cotton Mike Lindell has used to create MyPillow's Giza Dreams bedsheets. Try them once, you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. And right now, get a special 30% off MyPillow Dream Sheets with free shipping. Use promo code STAG when you call 800-716-8087 or place your order at MyPillow.com. 60-day money-back guarantee if you're not completely satisfied. Call 800-716-8087 or visit MyPillow.com and be sure to use promo code STAG for 30% off plus free shipping. Sweet dreams from MyPillow. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Traveling through downtown, you want to watch out for some street closures around PBG Blaze. This is for the upcoming Pittsburgh Marathon. The closures includes Boulevard, the Allies between Stan Wicks and Wood Street. And we also have delays on the Parkway West inbound, approaching 79 down to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound busy from Banksville Road to Carnegie. Parkway East slowing down outbound Boulevard of the Allies to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. And inbound Britain Road overpass to the tunnel. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer, weather. 
A few showers and thunderstorms around early this evening. Otherwise, mostly cloudy skies tonight with a low of 52. Tomorrow will be mostly cloudy as well, with some rain possible during the afternoon and a high of 65. That rain will continue into tomorrow night and into the early part of Sunday. However, we'll dry things out Sunday afternoon and the clouds will break up, allowing for a little more sunshine and a high of 68. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Derek Witt. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, you may have noticed that I have a lot of female guests on this show. I like females, uh, especially strong-minded ones. I mean, this show is produced by a female, Aaron, right in there on the other side of the glass. Uh, And especially strong-minded ones who are willing to stand up to the stupidity that comes from liberal feminists. Because there are liberal feminists and conservative feminists, I think. And I think Georgie Borman of the Federalist is a conservative feminist. And that's one of the reasons I've had her as a guest here several times. Not sure if she would agree with me on that. Uh, Why don't I ask her, Georgie? Thanks for being here. Would you call yourself a feminist? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't don't find much use in, in the label, to be honest. I just espouse what I think. And if what I think lines up with people who call themselves feminists, then... I'm okay with that. Oh, and by the way, Erin is absolutely lovely. So you have a wonderful producer. Yeah, she does a great job here. She's my boss. Even though I've, I've <laughs> fired her about six times so far in the <laughs> ten months we've been on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that that there's so much um, uh, tied up in that, name, that, that label, feminist, that it can be, depending on your perspective on a lot of things, it can be a negative or a positive. And... It's it, has it has it even lost its meaning now because of its uh, because of that the word. Um, I think the the sort of the old school definition of feminism as um, it, feminism just means you believe that women are people too and should have equal rights under the law. Then that's my kind of feminism. Yeah, and I am, I want to empower women to do to make the decisions that are best for their families and best for themselves and for their spouses. And that means getting government out of the way so that individual women can make their own choices in life in terms of what is best for them and not be crammed into any sort of big box solution, which I think, um, you know, for instance, when we're talking about federal paid uh, parental leave is, is unfortunately what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, you're also an SAHM, uh, a stay-at-home mom. Um, is it is it possible? I guess I was going to ask you if it's possible to be a feminist and a homemaker, but you don't care whether you're a feminist or not, so it's not an issue with you. No, and and stay at home mom is is an interesting label because so many stay at home moms that I know um, aren't just strictly mothering; they're doing other things as well. Because uh, we're fortunate enough to live in a time where technology cuts down on a lot of the work that we have to do around the house, and also allows us to reach out into the world just from the comfort of our own home and say things that need to be said um, and, and speak to a national or even global audience. Yeah. So that, a lo- Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I know a lot of, of women, especially at the Federalists, who are like me. They're not full-time politicos, but um, they have important things to say and they do their research and they put the, the work into making really compelling arguments. Um, so this article that Helen Andrews wrote for the New York Times, uh, I just I just disagree with in terms of perspective and what she's looking for. She seems to be looking for some sort of iconic figurehead like Phyllis Schlafly um, to, to sort of lead the social conservative movement and to champion social conservative ideas. Um, especially, you know, just this general idea that a lot of women, most women actually want to raise their own kids. Mm -hmm. They don't want to put their kids in full-time daycare. They don't want to work full-time outside the home. Um, And there's there's no sort of Phyllis Schlafly that we have today, but what we do have is this whole host of smart, independent, conservative women writers, many of them mothers, many of them who, you know, stay at home or work from home or however you want to call it, who are making very compelling arguments. And I think the issue that we face today is how do we help women who have chosen to make um, 
families the, the centerpiece of their life and to orient their life around what's best for their family and not necessarily what's best for their career, how do we amplify those voices? And the answer is everybody, especially legacy media, needs to have a little bit more flexibility if they want to really um, give those voices a platform because we have children to watch. Like I'm speaking to you during nap time. Because nap time is when I can talk on the on the radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, and when I go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to say my my mother wasn't able to do that. Uh, if you know she if if she was a uh, a smart woman and uh, was uh, great with words and could have been a writer, but she raised five kids, but there were no computers, and if she was going to write um, a, a column for somebody, she would have had to sit at a typewriter. <laughs> You know, and and bang it out, and then mail it to somebody. It's a lot different now, so it, that's a, a benefit for for people of your generation, right? It's a huge benefit. So, yeah, we have all of these women who are able to utilize technology to reach large audiences and to make compelling argument just from their home office, from their laptop, and. Um, I think that there still tends to be this bias in, in media toward people who do it full-time and they're, you know, easiest to book. And I totally understand that. But if, if you agree with Helen Andrews that there needs to be more female voices who are actually living the, the social conservative experience, um, which tends to be, you know, staying at home with your kids most of the time, then there needs to be some flexibility because we're, we're caught between a rock and a hard place. It's it's not a complaint. It's just the way it is. We've chosen to orient ourselves around our family. And that means, you know, a lot of times we live out in the middle of nowhere where the cost of living is lower and where we can live off of one income. And, you know, all of these other things have to be taken into account, but the voices are there, you know, particularly at the Federalist, we pack the lineup day in and day out because, um, uh, our voices matter on a, a wide variety of subjects. I mean, if you think that what what female writers have to say is limited to the mommy wars, that's just that is just if that ever was the case, it is not true anymore. Yeah, and um, it's interesting because um, it w- I think what would make a nice segment on f- well any one of the uh, cable news uh, stations, uh, Fox, for example, could have you. Um, Hook, you know, it's easy to hook you up at, right inside your house during nap time. Uh, you could be, you know, you could be on Fox right now just as easily as you could be on the radio. And if, but you're, what you're saying, it seems to me, is that there are issues that people who are like women who are like you who are home raising kids, you have them. You have a good way of um, uh, you have a talent for expressing them. Uh, but you're not being given enough platforms to do it. I mean, everybody has Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. But to be, as you mentioned, uh, uh, seen on uh, uh, on legacy media, it seems like there's now that you you know, since I read your piece today, it occurred to me that you just don't see you don't just you don't get opinions from uh, mothers who are living at home raising their kids. Right. Because we're busy raising our children most of the time. And so. Uh, you know, it's it's not a complaint so much as I would just like to raise awareness and just bring this into the minds of, of people who do have these very powerful, influential platforms, that if you do want to give a louder voice to the stay-at-home mom, to the social conservative woman, then it does take a little bit more effort. It takes a little bit more effort on our part and on their part as well. What... If if you were to have a segment on Fox News every Friday night, at you know on Tucker Carlson's show, and uh, and they they said now we're going to go to uh, Georgie Borman and we're going to talk about uh, issues for stay at home mothers. What would you what would you talk about? I mean, we we could talk about the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, yeah, that's something about... that's in the news this week. Yeah, that's right. a good one. Paid, you know, uh, paid parental leave policies. Uh, for instance, I'm not I'm not a big pan, fan of this idea that um, you can quote unquote withdraw money from Social Security early. I don't think that that's going to work out well at all. Um, but you know, it's not just those things that are directly related to parenting. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I see. What, yeah. You know, because we're people too. We're right. citizens of the country, and and everything is a woman's issue, technically. You know, like on the left, they love to talk about um, women's issues. We're fighting for for women's issues, and we need to focus on that. It's like they're all women's issues. The economy is a women's issue, for instance. You know, if my husband loses his job, that's a women's issue. <laughs> right, so, right, right. I mean, yeah, it just really covers the gambit. And um, the, get back to the Equal Rights Amendment, because it is in the news again, and the Democrats seem to believe that um, they can get it ratified this time. Um, what benefit, if any, would that have for uh, for stay-at-home mothers? I mean, I, I, or do you just in general, what do you feel? How do you feel about the Equal Rights Amendment? Is it needed? I don't, I don't think it's needed. We're already guaranteed equal rights under the 14th Amendment. So... The fact that, you know, I've heard on social media, they're like, well, the word woman isn't mentioned in the Constitution at all. It's like, that's okay, well, maybe you should read it. Neither is man. <laughs> maybe you should read the amendments. Um, we, we have the same rights under the law as men do. So there's really no need for this. But what it will probably do is, is force the, the courts to say things like, well, women can't be exempted from the draft, right? Because right. We're, 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 it's, it's, we have to have equal treatment. And by equal treatment, really what we're looking at is forcing men and women to be conformed to the same model as if they were the same and we're not the same. Um, so that's really where I have a problem fundamentally with this idea of an equal rights amendment is it's not about equal rights. It's about sameness. It's about conformity. And that is not going to end well for this massive country with this huge diversity of people and the differences just basically in general between men and women. It's just not going to work out well. It's also, uh, isn't it tied in with the with the, uh, the gender issue right now? And, um, you know, uh, I mean, we had a case over in uh, Great Britain where a transgender, I can never get this right, it's a tra- transgender woman uh, gave birth birth to no a transgender man gave birth to a person a human being and was upset that he was that she is calling herself a she uh was called the father on the birth certificate so the equal rights amendment um there's just because of the wording and just because of what what it might entail when it's uh, all said and done could have a, a a detrimental effect on the family by you know tying the holes, uh, men and women are the same, and uh, there are no dif- there's no difference in the sexes and the genders. Yeah, really, really, I think what this effort at conformity is aimed at is separating men from women in terms of of being complementary, and then separating them from their children. Um, so when the government enforces conformity and sameness, as if we're all just sort of units, then you can bring the government and say, well, there's really no difference between men and women. There's no difference between a mom and a dad. And why don't we just have the government raise all of the children? Um, because that, that should work just as well, right? You know, you don't, if you don't need a mom and you don't technically need a dad, then what is the point? Um, so I think if you look at the long term, I would suggest reading anything written by Stella Moravito on these issues. Yeah, we've had her on um, the show. She's great, yeah. Yes. Yes. You should have her on again. She's very insightful. No, oh, we will. Believe me. <laughs> when I was a kid, everybody's mother stayed home, uh, Georgie. Um, I always point out that if you go to my neighborhood where I grew up a million years ago and take a ride around this, uh, this, just a suburban neighborhood, you will see mostly um, one-car garages. Um, every house has one garage, not two. And mm-hmm. it wasn't a poor neighborhood by any means. It was a middle-class neighborhood. But there was no need to have a second garage because nobody's mother was driving anywhere. Every kid that I knew, if I went to his house at 2 o'clock in the afternoon after playing pickup baseball, I knew his mother was going to be there when we walked in. That's just not the case yeah. anymore. That's an interesting observation, yeah. I mean, there's a yeah, there's a variety of things that, that women are capable of doing nowadays and, and contributing in, in really productive ways to our economy, not just through homemaking, but through, through other work that they do in the workforce as well. But, you know, a lot of us who are socially conservative do choose to stay home because we want to 
be the primary caretakers for our children, and our voices matter as well as those other voices. How many kids do you have? Uh, I have one toddler, and then I'm almost 32 weeks pregnant with uh, <laughs> a little boy. So. Uh, oh, wow. Okay, so you're going to have two, and you're going to be home with two. And, and how old's the 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 the, uh, the ones you have now? She's two and a half. Oh, that's a good age. He's keeping you yeah. running around. Uh, <laughs> and you know, the ter- is, is he going through the terrible twos? She, yeah. Well, she, I'm sorry. She's pretty well behaved. <laughs> yeah, they all say that. Hey, uh, <laughs> Georgie, I appreciate you being on as always. I'm sure we'll have you on again. Thank you so much. All right, thanks a lot. That's Georgie Borman of the Federalist, and we'll be right back. Have you heard the crack of the bat, the cheers of the crowd? Have you seen the smiles on the faces of the players as they take the field? I'm not talking about the Pirates. I'm talking about what's happening in Moon Township that can only be described as a miracle. This is John Stagerwald. With the help of Pirates Charities and people like yourself, the Miracle League of Moon Township has broken ground on a brand new ball field and adaptive playground where athletes with special needs can play regardless of their ability. At miraclesinmoon.org, you can see the stunning plans for the 9,500-square-foot playground and state-of-the-art ADA-compliant restroom facility with showers, wave technology, multi-level fountains and sinks, mechanical changing tables, and more. It's incredible. Our goal? To raise the remaining funds they need to bring it home by first pitch this September. Check it out at miraclesinmoon.org slash donate and make your tax-deductible gift today. That's miraclesinmoon.org slash donate. This message paid for by Robinson Town Center, a Zamias Properties entity. Hey there, gun lovers. Here's an exciting opportunity to celebrate your Second Amendment freedoms at the number one destination for American gun owners. It only happens once a year, so don't miss out. This is your chance to claim your discounted tickets to the Concealed Carry Expo coming to Pittsburgh the weekend of May 17th through the 19th. It'll be an action-packed three-day event at the David Lawrence Convention Center you don't want to miss. Text EXPO to the number 87222 right now to lock in your discounted tickets and to learn more. It's that easy, and you'll get exclusive access to check out new guns and gear, a free live fire range, reality-based training simulator, training, and much, much more. Plus, if you register right now, you'll also get your free responsibly armed American t-shirt made by Nine Line Apparel. It's a high-quality shirt with a limited edition design. But that ends very soon. Don't get left behind. Hurry and text EXPO to the number 87222 to get your tickets now. That's the word EXPO to the number 87222. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years' experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. This experience has provided me with the unique knowledge to assess and draft a plan of recovery for your financial problems. I can stop home foreclosures, repossessions, creditor lawsuits, and tax collection. Reorganize and get a fresh start. I have numerous office locations in the Pittsburgh area. Call and schedule your free consultation today at 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. Don't delay. Call 412-471-7675. That's 412-471-7675. If you take a look around your hometown, you might notice that there seems to be a mattress store on every corner, each with a different sale every weekend. Where do you start? And how do you know if you're actually getting a good value? Here at the Original Mattress Factory, what you see is what you get. You'll find our hand-built, high-quality mattresses at the same great price every day. Stop by one of our local factories or stores to experience the Original Mattress Factory difference. Great beds, noble. The gimmicks, the flashy sales, and the big markups. Mattress stores have made the mattress shopping experience confusing on purpose. Ron Trzinski started the original mattress factory to create a better way. He raised the bar on quality, offered hand-built mattresses for a fraction of the cost, and ditched the high-pressure sales tactics, all to create a better mattress buying experience for you. You could say he was the original disruptor. Stop by an Original Mattress Factory store or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. So, uh, 
up, maybe you're going to go see the Avengers uh, movie, Avengers Endgame. It's made $8 zillion uh, in its first weekend last week. Now, if you go, you might be disappointed, or maybe you won't be, but there's a chance you could be because, uh, according to this story, Avengers Endgame is not LGBT-friendly enough. Um, it says here that, predictably, many of the fans are, are self-identified social justice warriors who are concerned that Avengers Endgame has too few LGBT characters and that audience members may have found some fat jokes made at the expense of core Avenger Thor. See, Thor is out of shape, I guess. this is I, I haven't seen the movie. The character Thor has been, I don't know, he retired and he went off and went on vacation. I don't know, but he got fat. And you're not allowed, so they're making fun of him. He's supposed to be this guy who's like ridiculously uh, built and because he's Thor. And he shows up, he's looking a little pudgy, so they make fun of him. And so instead of just, <laughs> you can't just go to the movie and understand, oh, it's kind of funny, you know, this guy used to be like unbelievably well-built and solid, and now he's a little, looks a little soft and pudgy, and they're kidding him about it. You can't just, it, it just can't be that. It has to be, you have to read into it that, oh, wait a minute, they're fat shaming him. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. He's supposed to not be fat, Okay. He's supposed to be like an athlete. It's like the same thing if Ben Roethlisberger shows up for training camp in August and July, and he's 42 pounds overweight. Somebody's going to make fun of him. His his teammates are going to say, hey, Ben, you're an NFL player. You're not supposed to be. Anyway, so and then the other thing is it says Avengers Endgame does not feature any overtly LGBT superheroes. Now, I haven't seen the game uh, the movie, and I'm probably not going to go see it, but I, I, I don't know if. How do you know that there's not a, an LGBT person in the cast? Do they have to demonstrate it somehow during the three-hour movie? Can't can't you just w- wonder? Do they do they have to be? Does there have to be an especially effeminate man? Do you have to see two women kissing? What? what who cares? You know, if, if so, there's not an LGBT blatantly LGBT person in there. Just go to the movie and shut up. And don't worry about it for three hours. Don't worry about whether or not there's an LGBT-friendly person in the movie. Just go to the movie and shut up. And I'll see you on Tuesday. I'm off Monday. Bye. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com salemnow.com